we keep digging ourselves in a hole and give credit to Denver. They did enough to, to win, but, um, you know, it's just, it's disappointing to have no points at, at, at the half. I've said it before, I think anytime you hold somebody under 20 points in this league, I think we got to do enough to win uh, from an offensive standpoint. Yeah, I mean, you can look at it, look back on it and say you could have done so many different things. Um, and, you know, that's, that's part of the process of learning and growing. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you, you check it down, you go for it on fourth and 12. Um, who knows what happens? You know, it's one of those things, what if? How much progress do you feel you made over the bye week with maybe fixing some of those slow starts? And, and Obviously zero. Let's go to a little life out here. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome to the UK Packers podcast. As usual, I'm your host at Steve NFL on Twitter. And of course, follow the group at UK Packers. And oh, Matt LaFleur with a zinga. With a bazinga. There you go. I just think he can't help himself. Oscar Wilde um, in his court case, uh, as we all know, there's a massive crossover here between this podcast and Oscar Wilde readers. But Oscar Wilde in his um, court case, he got done mostly because of the stuff in the day. But he also got done because he couldn't stop cracking wise quips. Quip. And the thing about Matt LaFleur was, is should he have said absolutely none? No. Too frank, Matt. Um, But look, I went back and I rewatched this game. I rewatched this game for you and I. And I've, I'd like to add some context to it. I'm actually excited to get on. Now, I'm not first off, I'm just gonna go and I'm gonna barrel into all the bad stuff, right? Uh, because I do think there is some sort of a silver lining. But before you switch off, right, I am thoroughly going to have to give them a jolly good old thrashing. Um and there's an awful lot of stuff in this team that isn't good enough. But I don't think it's so far out of left field. Um but let me just say, right, is the offensive creativity somehow lessened uh, and the it's one of those things like what gets wetter the more it dries. It's one of those. So this bye week, we came off the bye week and it was a shambles again. If anything, it was consistent with how we were playing, um, which is bad, uh, particularly in the first half. But the offensive creativity lessened. Uh, the injuries seemed to get bigger, which was just bizarre. And I think that is the key to this game. Um, but what I would say is, before anybody switches off, we're going, oh yeah, here we go, here we go, Goody's great, Matt LaFleur can't do anything wrong, Jordan Love is the second coming of whatever, right? That's not what I'm saying. Um, but I do think we can't take things out of context, we just can't. And I'll go down through the game again, and I, you know I love an L play, by play, uh, and I won't bore you too much with it. But again, I have my system, I have to, like Mason Crosby and Anders Carlson now, I need to stick to my system when it comes to doing it, because I think some of the stuff just stands out as glaring. Um, but before I get there, yes, I agree. Matt LaFleur did not have this team ready. Now, we talked about it in quick snappage, or actually long snappage for your big package, about where it's quite possible that after the bye week, uh, Matt LaFleur does not have his team up for it. And that happened again. Now, I know you can look back and go, yes, it was the Niners, and yes, it was Tampa Bay, but it wasn't even about the teams they faced. They got absolutely walloped by those teams. I think it was 38, what, 10 and 38-7? Um, so maybe the silver lining is is that fine, right? We didn't get out and done in the first half again. We got 17 points put up in the second half. So at least that's something, right? We got something going and we weren't absolutely inept. But Matt LaFleur didn't have his team up for it before uh, in a Super Bowl window 
and the team underperformed and we got absolutely smashed out of it. So is it better this time around? Well, we're younger. We're absolutely decimated with injuries. And again, the the one thing, there's a couple of things actually, but the one thing that comes out of it for me is is that we weren't blown out of it in this game. And we haven't been blown out of games all season, really. Now, we know we fell behind a lot and then we came back into it. So, you know, had that not happened. But again, like Jordan Love says, it's a what-if scenario. So am I as low on the team as everybody else is? He asks himself. No, I don't think so. And I'm just flabbergasted by how everybody... uh, Well, not everybody, but an awful lot of people are kind of discounting the injuries and just the effect that they have. Um... No more, and and again, you're if you're the one doing it right, and I I got I got into it too. I won't lie, right after I watched that game last night, um, I just I kind of gave up. I was like, whatever, you know, like I'm sick of this now. Especially the way it ended with the interception, and they showed the replay, and AJ Dillon was open, right? Another bad thing, um, but I think there's some nuance there as well. I just thought, what an absolutely pee poor performance, a team not up for it. No offensive creativity. Uh, you know, this whole offense was predicated on run first. We seemed to get away from that in the first half. Um, this pre-snap motion, literally none of it really. Uh, no end arounds, nothing out of the ordinary. You know, and I went to bed thinking, awful. Like, it's just, I don't want to rewatch this game because there's nothing really to like in there. Yes, we went and took the lead in the game. And yes, we could have won the game. But the Broncos are awful, right? Aren't they? A little bit more on that later. But come here, you're not the only one, and including me, to go. It doesn't matter about injuries at this point. It's just it's just dull. And the play calls are not helping anybody. And Matt LaFleur to come out and own up to that. And I think that was, you know, fine. I think he's being honest. But at the same time, don't come out and say you don't have the answers. Because here's the nuance for me. Last year... With Aaron Rodgers, we really struggled. You know, or we went down heavy in the early part of the season. and But it always seemed like we were supposed to win. You know, you look at the team and go, oh, Jesus, like this. How are we? We're Super Bowl window here. We've got a back-to-back MVP quarterback. Um, and we lose Devontae Adams. And how are we not performing better? How is there so many stupid mistakes and it's that expectation, and that's why they always call us in title town, because you're like, no, the Packers win. That's what we do. We win games. And when you don't win games, you're like, fine, they need to turn this around quick, because they're just making absolutely brain fart. You know, and we get into this thing, and the thing is, is you always believe that after a bad performance, it's uncharacteristic, and the good one's just around. They just need to pull pull it together, lads. Come on, get your head out of your clouds, right? The nuance here is, is that we're performing the same. Um, with half the roster, with a brand new young team and a defense that was injured coming into the game and got even more injured as it went on. Starting center went out, or left tackle isn't there, and Rashid Walker is a bit of a turnstile at times. So, and we're getting the same production, right? But it isn't just like, oh, come on, lads. You know, like next game, let's turn us around. This is not, now it's like, oh no, is this it? You know, and you kind of, it's just a perspective thing, isn't it really? And we saw with the Packers at the end of, last year you know then you might look back and go is that it though is that is that the ceiling is that what we're actually capable of you know if Aaron Rodgers isn't playing lights out and that's another criticism that would lay on Matt LaFleur you know I mean here's here's a guy it's the head coach and he's Aaron Rodgers there albeit he's injured and he's not performing and they, they were just laying eggs all over the place and it seems to be the same way but look 
I'm not the only one who was playing down injuries last night. You were not the only one playing down injuries in the comments and all this type of stuff. Matt LaFleur is doing it. This is what he had to say. We did have some adversity strike in terms of it just seems like we've got a lot of guys going down with injuries and that's just part of the game. And really at the end of the day, nobody cares. The expectation is the same. Next man up, you go in, you go battle and we expect there's a certain level of, of performance that we expect from all our guys. Yeah, look... Yes, there's a certain level of performance you expect from your guys, but can we be realistic for a second? Um, you're not getting that performance. And yes, what, what does that mean then? You, you blame the guys who come in for not stepping up. Look, there's some players are better than others. Some players are paid to dump, you know, broken record here. Um, but I'm going to run down play-by-play play through the game, right? And I'm going to show you how these injuries directly are linked to poor performance. You know, it's not a case where if you... And I don't know. Look, if you put your starters in there, maybe the same thing happens. However, the players that have come in in relief of the players who've got injured uh, are not playing well. Now, before I do that, let's temper it and show you uh, a clip that Jordan Love said after the game. Um, no, sorry. He said before the game uh, when he was in the locker room. And he starts off with a next man up lark. Then he gets a bit honest and then he switches back into coach speak. Take a listen to this. You know, you've had injuries. Um, the old lines have been beat up. It's not a whole lot of continuity we've seen around you. Yeah, I mean, it's it's part of the game. There's injuries all the time. And it's just, like I always say, it's next man up. Um, but it's tough. You know, you gotta you got to find a way throughout practice to get all those reps and get that chemistry back down. Yeah, so that's more honest, right? Uh, now he goes on to say a disclaimer. He goes on to say, "Well, look, that's the way it is. Next man up, we're, we're grand, blah blah blah." Um, look, it's not the same. It simply isn't the same. And yes, I know every team comes up against it, but let's forget about every team and compare because what they want to do there, and it's it, the reason it's coach speak is, is because you never want to give a team an athlete or whatever. Uh, and the media, you're seen as kind of boo bears if you're banging on about injuries and sort of, woe is me. And it's very noble and all that jazz, right? But you don't want to give your team an excuse. You don't want to be standing up at the podium and saying, look, lads. And LaFleur got as close as he would get by saying we've had some unfortunate stuff like injuries. And then he has to pull himself back out of it again. Like that to me screams like, lads, like we're screwballed here. Everyone's getting injured. Christian Watson went off at the end of the game injury with a knee injury. Um, Aaron Jones is on a pitch count I'll get into the injuries now in a second but he's kind of saying it's next man up but look what we're dealing with but also next man up and you can't give in to your team and tell them that you know they just stop playing now because they simply don't have the players but the team feel it obviously you know and they want to turn it around but uh, but Jordan Love got really close there to sort of admitting look you know you don't have the chemistry with these guys they don't have the reps F let's forget about the nonsense and the PC-ness and the all of that sort of media BS, right? It's as simple as this. The defense are tasked with keeping the Packers in games. Um, and that's the way it was going to be. Before they took a snap in the regular season, that was always going to be the case. The defense were going to keep have to keep us in it. And by and large, they have um, in an awful lot of games. LaFleur says it in the press conference, when you keep a team to 17 or when you keep a team to 19, when you keep a team to under 20, you should be able to pull out a win or have a very good chance of doing it. And every time the Packers have done it, they have been close. In that game against the Saints, they were very close. So that we know to be true, right? There's times where I pull my hair out of Joe Barry and I'll go down through the play-by-play -play a little bit later in the podcast and you'll see some of the just awful stuff, right? But in that game, I didn't see once where 
there was a top wide receiver and we lined up with a, a linebacker on him, right? It, it, that's not happening. What I am seeing is, is that we're missing a dumper load of tackles and we're getting gouged on massive pass plays. And then we go back to playing first down, second down, great. And then we get gouged again. And there's a reason for that. Um, but what I am seeing is, is that injuries are impacting this team. And for us to get a win in this year, which was always going to be a bit dicey, uh, with the youngest offense in the NFL, we needed minimal injuries and we needed those players who are playing to play well and for it all to kind of come off. And we also need Jordan Love to make right decisions and not be throwing interceptions. Now, at times, Jordan Love has been massively underwhelming, right? And sometimes just like, I mean, it's always those ones. He looks like he's underthrown the deep ball and there's a story there too I'm going to get into. And it looks like it's underthrown. And in fact, the game-ending interception looked to be underthrown. Now, in his words, he threw it to the left because he thought that was the only place that the receiver had to come up with the ball. Uh, and when you look at it to Samori Torre, he's falling backwards and it looked like he could have maybe got the ball. Um, but the safety comes in and, and makes that pick. Um, so the underneath safety. He didn't see him, he says, and that's the way it panned out. Now, let me just pause for a second, right? Let's have a look around the league at what happened this week because it looks like the world is falling down for us. The Patriots were 1-5. and five. They had the worst start of the season, I think, since 1995, potentially. There's some people listening to this podcast who weren't even alive the last time the Patriots started a season as badly. They went up against the Super Bowl favourites, Buffalo Bills, who were 4-2, and two, looking to go 5-2. and two. Um, And they come away with 4-3. and three. The Patriots beat the Buffalo Bills 29-25. Um, so let's put that into context. The Lions, the high-flying Lions who were more than likely going to win the NFC North, went up against the Ravens. Uh, they got absolutely shut out and embarrassed. It was 35-0 and the game ended 38-6. So in a vacuum, this Packers loss uh, looks awful. It looks like it's just compounding the crap that's gone before. But when you look at some of these results... I mean, the Lions got absolutely shut out. And I had the Lions in my ACA to almost win this game because there was a, there was only a... The bookies put it down to a three, uh, minus three in favour of the Ravens. Um, let me also cast your mind back to the Broncos because when the Broncos got shut out by Miami in that third biggest points margin, which was, what was it, 70 to 20, a 50-point margin... Absolutely embarrassed the Broncos, which has got their moniker for being the worst team in the NFL. Um, everything went right for the Dolphins in that game, but they've kind of come back to the norm. But before I get there, let me stay on the Lions. The Lions are flying high and they walloped us and they looked like they had all the momentum. But let's not forget what the Lions used to be. And if you cast your mind back to last year, uh, they just barely didn't make the playoffs. And... They really came into their own on the back uh, end of the season. In fact, they started off their run with a 15-9 win over Green Bay. And that game was extremely close. Jared Goff only got 137 yards in that game. Their receiver got 55 yards, a man St. Brown. He, uh, with a, that was a high in that game. But before that point, uh, the Lions were 1-6. They went to 2-6 when they beat us. They ended up with a record of four and seven to end the season at nine and eight because they won, you know, 
five of their last six games. So is it possible that the Packers turn it around of sorts? And you can see from the Lions, the answer is yes. Now, the reason why we're losing is injuries, for sure. And we are offensively stagnant. But the reason I think we're offensively stagnant is, is because of A, injuries, and B, we're trying to keep an awful lot of stuff very simple for the rookies. Um, and we can throw Jordan Love into that mix as well because they're trying to keep it simple for him too. Now let's take a look at our opponent, the Broncos. Um, seeing as I saw them as a garbage team, anytime they come up in the acre for the radio, I would bet against them because they were shocking, especially after they lost 70-20. to 20. So they held the Raiders to 17 points in week one. And you might go, wow, big whoop, the Raiders are terrible. Fine, right? It was 17-16, they lost by a point. Then they went up against the Commanders. The Broncos hung 33 points on the Commanders, but the Commanders got 35 and beat them by two points. So again, small enough margin. The Dolphins absolutely decimated the Broncos. There's no hiding the fact that they steamroll them uh, in the third worst points differential loss in NFL history. Um, everything was going for them. So I expected after this point, right, they're 0-3, and three, um, you know, they're a bad team. Then they go up against the Bears at Soldier Field. Now, I will remind you, the Bears have went on and won a couple of games since. But they won against the Bears 31-28 at Soldier Field. The spread was uh, minus three in their favour, which I found mind-blowing because they lost so heavily to the Dolphins. And the Dolphins have since gone on and lost. Then they go up against the Jets. They lose that game as well. They put up 21 points and give up 31. Um, then they go up against the Chiefs. Uh, they're at the Chiefs. And they hold the Chiefs to 19 points. And they only score 8 themselves. And the run game starts to emerge a little bit. And they seem to be finding their feet. And someone asked the question, is that game against the Packers in their stadium, their sort of, you know, prove all, coming out game, like they're starting to turn things around. And we were leading in the game and then we ended up losing by two points. And it got right down to the very end. AJ Dillon was open. Jordan Love just needed to find him and hit him. And then we're probably within field goal range. We kick the field goal and get out of there. And then all of a sudden they've suffered another loss. They're a trash team. Whoa, that was close. What the hell? Look, they held the Chiefs to 19 points. So let's just have a look then at the granular level and see exactly what the hell went on. Now, you're probably listening to this. And if you're of the opinion that the Packers are trash, the Matt LaFleur should go, that Joe Barry is the worst thing in the world, it's not going to be what you want to hear, right? And when I saw this game, and I'm not making excuses for the Broncos, and I'm not saying that we're the the reincarnation, God, this feels disgusting to say, but the reincarnation of the Lions and the fact that we can turn it around. Um, but let's just run through the game and let's just pick apart exactly what we saw. So first off, we come into this game with no Jair Alexander. Uh, and Carrington Valentine has come in as relief. And that's important in this game um, for a couple of reasons. And I'll get down through the play-by-play and show you. Um, Campbell is out. Uh, so when it comes to stopping the run, which we've been absolutely atrocious at, uh, Devondre Campbell has been really important for the Packers in that regard. He's not there. Now, we should have enough defensive weapons to shore that up. I mean, there's enough first-round picks in that to shake a stick at. So it, it isn't good enough, the fact that we're getting gouged on the run. Um, Devontae Wyatt goes out in this game injured and Darnell Savage goes out injured in the game as well and as I said no Campbell and Alexander um, let's flip onto the offensive side of the ball um, Aaron Jones is still has a hamstring injury 
because he's on a pitch count and that was proven in the game that they used him at the start. They obviously used up his pitch count and Wilson came into the game. Um, so he was doing well enough. I mean, there was a couple of times he got stuffed. We'll go through it. Um, and AJ Dillon was in the game. And then we look at Christian Watson, who is quite clearly still carrying an injury, in my opinion, the hamstring. And he goes out at the end of this game with a knee injury. But we couldn't really get much going with Watson. There was a couple of plays that were nice. They were lovely, as they say. Um, and then you look at the tight ends, uh, which is Musgrave. And Musgrave caught a couple of passes and then got absolutely drilled by Jackson. And he was out. So he went into concussion protocol. And Jackson, who's got about 90 grand's worth of fines so far for, you know, this kind of hunting behavior, hits to the head and sportsmanlike conduct stuff. Um, you know, he is an injury risk. And so there's our, you know, rookie, number one tight end who comes in. Uh, and then we go to Rashid Walker, who's in at left tackle for David Bakhtiari uh, because Bakhtiari's injured. And that's important too, as we're going to see. Um, so let's look at our defense. Our defense come on the pitch first, the field. Um, and on first and second down, we're great. Third and seven, third and long. There's a massive pass play to Cortland Sutton. And who is that on? Carrington Valentine. And Valentine is in relief for Alexander. Okay. Fine. So we they get a first and ten again. First and second down, guess what? We're great. Brilliant. Third and three. Again. Pass play. Big pass play completed to Cortland Sutton. Who's he against? Carrington Valentine. Who's in for Jair Alexander. Williams, 16 yards gained on a run. Um... But again, the Broncos are one of the most successful teams in the NFL on their scripted opening plays. But for me, we've done great on first and second down. Two third downs against Jair Alexander's replacement and we're goosed. So to me, look, it's I'm not singling out the guy, right? In a way I am. But I'm not singling him out and saying that he's not a good football player. He was fantastic in the preseason. But what I am pointing out is, is that Jair Alexander should be in that spot. And if he is in that spot, does Sutton come down with those two third downs? Maybe, but it's as a direct result of an injury. But anyway, uh, third and one, down with a goal line. Uh, a running touchdown goes in and we all have a massive side. But Quinn Bailey gets done for holding and they get a pull back for third and 11. And then Wyatt comes in with a good stop and we hold the Broncos to three points. So far, so good-ish, right? That our starters are doing well. Valentine's in relief, gives up the third downs. We hold the Broncos to three points. That's fine. The Broncos are really successful in their opening drives so far this season. Um, and the Packers haven't allowed an opening touchdown in the first drive in the last 10 games. And we hold on to that stat. So the offense comes on the field. And this is the criticism, right? So criticism because we've had a bye week. We've had time to get on. Uh, this is the scripted portion of the game. We've been terrible in the first half and we come out. Love is constantly under pressure. We don't get much from Jones and Dylan, and we go three and out. Yuck. So the only sort of shining light that comes after this is Enig Barre on special teams is looking very lively and he looks lively all game and he comes out and makes a stop on special teams. Right. So it's the defense comes in again. And Kenny Clark gets into the backfield and tips the ball. Lovely. Williams gets stuffed by Walker and McDuffie. McDuffie, McDuffie honourable mention, had a great game. Now it's third and 11. And guess what happens? 
Nothing. Jerry Judy stopped by Carl Brooks. Amazing. The defense come in. We get the job done. And then the offense comes back on for the second possession. Jones goes up the middle for five. Uh, Musgrave uh, on the outside for a first down. The pass looked high. And Love looked skittish. And the reason he looks skittish is because he's always under pressure now. The O-line is not playing well. Despite the fact that Elton Jenkins is in. Um, Musgrave... Uh, Dylan comes in for a two-yard run. Musgrave is stuffed. And then it's a third and six, six, and it's a long pass that's incomplete. And it's nearly hauled in uh, with one hand. And then Rashid Walker gets done for a penalty on this. So again, Rashid Walker's in as relief for the left tackle. It's because of him. And just go back and look at some of the plays. Jordan Love's running for his life. Now he gets done for a penalty. So it's fourth and six. Uh, we get the Broncos to jump and we're like, brilliant. But then there's that uh, dodgy call by the refs. Uh, with Myers they say that he false started when he didn't it should have been the jump by the Broncos that would have given us uh, a first down it's a bad call by the referees and then Dan Whelan is out the punt now let me pause here as well and say an honourable mention for the special teams maybe a dishonourable mention because Dan Whelan is last in the NFL in net yardage per punt and he punts the ball into the end zone and the Broncos get a touchback so this is where we pause again and say right what did we want this season to be we wanted it to be our defense playing tough. If you look at this, we've held them. Uh, it's been two drives so far. It's been a three and out. And we've got burned on the first drive because Valentine has given up two massive third downs. And we hold the Broncos to three points. That's okay. Um, the offense comes in at three and out. It's not good enough. And then the offense comes out. Jordan Love again is running for his life. Rashid Walker gets done for a penalty. We get screwed and over by the refs. And then special teams is off. And that's one thing that sort of stood out this year, that the one thing we could and depend on is too strong a word, but our special teams, and they mentioned it a couple of times, oh, here comes Keyshawn Nixon, the, the pro bowler, the all pro. Um, not this year. Our punting is not good. Our field goal kicking is amazing, really. Um, and that goes wrong in this game as well. Thank you, commentators. And then our run back on punts and kickoffs is non-existent. So again, an area and a facet of our game that we needed to go well, uh, you know, to kind of stand a better chance was that. And it's not going well this year either. Anyway, the defense come back out. Clark gets a penalty. So Kenny Clark, who you'd expect to be dependable, um, gives up a penalty. Then Rasul Douglas, who is, to me, hot and cold this season. Booming hit. And then Williams runs straight up the middle for a massive gain. And then we have one of our missed tackles for a huge gain. So uh, Quay Walker whiffs on the tackle. Um, so this is another example where, I mean, where where are we blaming Joe Barry on this, apart from the Williams run straight up the middle? And bearing in mind we're without Campbell, who's a stellar run stopper. Now, it's no excuse. I'm not excusing it, right? But we have Quay Walker, who is our top tackler, who by and large plays fantastic, absolutely whiffs on a massive gain tackle. And we've Kenny Clark giving up a penalty. That can't... Now, again, the purest out there will say, oh, well, Joe Barry, you know, needs to coach Kenny Clark not to give up a penalty. Kenny Clark, I believe, does not need Joe Barry to tell him not to give up a penalty. And then P. Ryan, which sounds too close to P in your Ryan to me, uh, gains on five yards. Then it's a third down to completion to Sutton. Again, a big third down completion to Cortland Sutton. And lads, I'm going to ask you again, who was on the coverage? Carrington Valentine. So <laughs> it comes down to a third down and we give it up to Sutton. Now, he doesn't complete the third down, but it's quite long. We hold him off. 
and it gets third and long and then they go and score a field goal. So then it's six and zero. So look, we're giving up the third down passes again to big gains. Carrington Valentine is the offender again, like he was on the first offensive possession. And the sort of copy paste job is that we hold them off, not getting the touchdown, but they do get a field goal. So now it's six zero. So if you want to analyze it, first we're giving up first defensive stand, we're giving up stuff by Carrington Valentine to get a field goal. Third defensive stand, we give up something to Carrington against Carrington Valentine to Sutton and they get a field goal. Um, the offense comes back out. We can't get out and go. And Jones doesn't get out and go. And the Packers is just manky. We finally get a th- uh, first down, but it's just really dull, horrible, manky um, offense. Um, this is where I note in the game that somehow we're less creative and more banged up. Second and 12, Torre gets a catch for three yards. Yuck. Third and nine, the defense get a neutral zone infraction. But the refs, and this is sort of consistent with the season, they blow up the play early. Uh, it's third and four, but it's a pass to nowhere. But there looked like a bit of confusion, to be fair, in that. Um, and it looks like the receivers were sort of a bit green around the edges and were running bad routes, and that's why that happened. Again, you're dealing with a young offense that's going to be teething issues. Um, then our defense comes out again, three-yard run, it's run stuff, happy days. Williams gets the catch, doesn't really go for a whole lot. It's third and five. Then it's a long pass to Brandon Johnson, which is almost caught, but we defend it. And guess what? Nixon, pass interference. So we give that up. Uh, then there's a Douglas pass on second and 21. And then it gets to second and 31. And they run off. They get a run for 23 yards. And I just have what the F in red here. Um, but the pass falls incomplete. So look, brain fart stuff from the defense. Not great. Nixon again with a penalty, which we shouldn't be giving that stuff away. We give up 23 yards on the run. But to be honest, if you're running the ball on second and 31... It goes to show you what you think of the Packers' runoff defense. It stinks. So anyway, our offense come back out again. Wilson is drilled. Uh, it's second and six. We get five yards. Then we're lucky that Aaron Jones gets that three, third and one. Then first and ten, finally a sign of life. Uh, Dubs goes for 14 yards. Then it's a first and ten. AJ Dillon bounces to the outside, which is rare in these parts for seven yards. Then it's a third and one for a Jones catch. Um, and then we end up with a first and 10 because, you know, Jones gets the job done. But look, first and 10, Wicks gets it. We try an end around finally and it gets stuffed. Then it's a second and 10. Dylan goes for five yards. Then it's a third and four. Third and short. Guess what? False start. Guess who? Rashid Walker. So again, another big penalty at a crunch moment in third and short, which pushes it to third and nine. And it's Rashid Walker in relief of David Bakhtiari again. Again, a direct result of an injury. Third and nine, uh, Reed gets a gain of six, but he hobbles off. Again, another injury. Then it's fourth and three. It's a 43-yard field goal. Anders Carlson has been perfect all season. Thanks, uh, comms. And he misses it on fourth and three. So again, if you need stuff to go your way in a close game, and you've got an offense that is decimated with injuries. Your top running back is on a pitch count. Your left tackle isn't on the field. Uh, your uh, The left tackle that is on the field is either letting them through or is getting done for a penalty because he's false starting or whatever. Uh, then you need your field goal unit to come out. It's 6-0, and that would be 6-3. It's still 6-0. Talk about demoralizing. The defense comes out, uh, and this is the last possession before the half. Uh, we get gouged, uh, and although we're playing well at the at the line again, uh, Wilson gets huge huge yardage, 
and then it's first and 10 he sails it out of the end zone and again we hold him to a field goal in second and 10 the half ends 9 zip so it's all to play for now in summary we're giving up large stuff to the lads who are coming in in relief which is Carrington Valentine he's given up large third downs we're, but still we're by and large we're holding the field goals which is great special teams were missing the kick uh, for three points uh, Dan Whelan's not covering himself in glory and then on offense Jordan Love is running around like a blue arse fly and Rashid Walker is getting done for penalties and false starts uh, which is two that he's got done for and we can't like what do we expect <laughs> you know um, so it does stink in the first half and the play calling is nothing to be desired yada yada but you can see a trend happening here now it all changes in the second half Jones comes out we have the ball first it's the fifth offensive uh, possession Jones goes for six yards uh, he tries a deep ball to Dubs it goes incomplete it's not on and third and four Wicks is caught in the middle for 17 yards it looks lovely now what I would say is, is let me pause here one of the trends that seemed to happen in the first half was that we were running the ball and getting stuffed or we we're coming off it a little bit but then Jordan Love was literally just trying this little dinky dunky stuff that really wasn't done and I think the reason for that was is that he was told in the bye week to stop going for the big play because it wasn't coming off and why do I say that well, listen to this soundbite, and this happened before this game. No, I think more of it's just consistency and finding those completions um, and getting the playmakers the ball um, in space so they can operate and, and make guys miss. And, uh, you know, not trying to, you know, always trying to find that big play and force the ball downfield, but just getting the ball in guys' hands and quickly. Um, I think that's been the biggest thing. So there you go. Get the ball out quickly. Short pass and stuff. You know, you're not going to get the... He's not going to say get the ball out quickly if he wants his players to get right downfield. He's talking about quick completions. Uh, get the ball out in front of them. Give them open space. Give them a chance to make the other guys uh, miss. Um, so it's quite clear what he was instructed to do by the sounds of it because Jordan loves deep ball. Um, and it's been a talking point since he came to Green Bay because I used to play this soundbite. I don't know if I find it by the end of the editing, I'll play it where she, this reporter, she talks about, oh, we saw Jordan's deep balls today. Um, so look, it's it's been on the agenda for a long time now and sometimes it looks very suspect. So it appears to me in the second half with that third and four and Wicks catches it down the middle for 17 yards. On the second play, he goes for a deep ball to Dubs and it falls incomplete. It sounds to me that LaFleur brought them in at half time and said uh, the short stuff is obviously not working we're gonna need to take more deep shots and you can't come up with the excuse that like oh we're trying to throw ourselves back into the game uh, because in fact he leans into the run an awful lot in the second half and the Broncos are only up 9-0 and it could have been 9-3 but anyway um Love runs for the first down uh, in the next play. And why does he do it is because he's running for his life. Then it's a first down, uh, first and 10. Uh, Dylan goes for a big run for nine. Now, Josh Meyer suffers a non-contact injury at this point. So again, another injury racking up. Uh, at right tackle, uh, Tom goes into center and Josh Nyman comes in uh, at right tackle in relief. Um, there's a couple of good passes. A third and four, he sails the pass. It's just a bad throw. And then Carlson comes in and scores three. So the game is 9-3. The Packers offense seems to have got some stuff moving. And this is where the defense completely capitulates. This is the sixth defensive possession. You can't use the excuse that they were gassed. Uh, this is the first time they play in the second half. First and 10, massive completion to, uh, to Judy. I will ask you again, who do you think was covering Judy? You're damn right, it's Carrington Valentine. 
Uh, Williams goes for a 22-yard run. Why? It's a missed tackle and a stiff arm on Nixon in the backfield. So again, uh, Valentine's in for Alexander, gives up a massive play. Williams goes for a massive run, but that could have been stuffed in the backfield, only that Nixon didn't get to him. I don't think you can blame um, Joe Barry for that one. I'm not coming out like the Joe Barry fan club here, by the way, but it's just, it's funny to me that, you know, it's just blanketed Joe Barry's fault. Williams gets a missed tackle again. This time, this one's on Rasul Douglas. He whiffs that one horrendously. Then it's a third and three. And the Packers seem to have prevented a completion on this. And they've held him to another field goal. But guess what? Jonathan Owens gets called for holding downfield. And it's a super obvious one. Uh, the player runs past him and he just grabs his jersey. Um, you can't get any more obvious than that. Um, bearing in mind that the, the Packers' run defense up to this point has been 28 in the league. And yes, you can lay that at the feet of, of Joe Barry and all this type of stuff. But in this particular uh, play, it's been done by two missed tackles in a row and the guy who comes in to replace Jair Alexander whiffing on the play. It's a sudden pass for six yards. It's too easy. It's Rasul Douglas again. And then it's a third and four and it's a touchdown to Sutton over Rasul Douglas for 18 yards. So that's two back-to-back plays for Douglas and he's done this in prior games as well. It's a bunch formation and Douglas just gets caught out. Um, we should be used to uh, stacking receivers and it's a simple man coverage play and he gets absolutely burned now I've said this exact same Douglas gets done and then Douglas gets done again and on a couple of games ago it was because he fell down and they got a touchdown so it's basically a copy paste absolutely horrendous play from the defense missed tackles all over the place the game is 16-3 Now the offense comes out again and we're rolling. It's a fantastic long pass to Watson for 23 yards on first and 10. So again, like it seems to bear out what I'm saying. In the first half, no offensive creativity, no pre-snap motion, no fancy stuff, um, no asking Christian Watson to run downfield because I think he's nursing that injury and Aaron Jones is on a pitch count. And this is where you see less of Aaron Jones and more of AJ Dillon and Wilson. First and 10, Dylan stuffed. Second and 11, Dylan up the middle for four. Josh Myers comes back in as to how fit he is. Who knows? Third and seven, Long's under pressure. He goes deep, super inaccurate, but they escape it because they get a holding play. First and 10, Musgrave for three yards. Second and seven, it's just a bad pass. He loops the pass over Aaron Jones's head. It simply wasn't on. Third and seven, it was a brilliant completion then to read for first down. So yeah, look, Love is showing in this uh and, and so is the run game that we get it in spurts it's going really well fantastic completion and then it's just not on at all first and 10 Jones goes for a first down first and 10 Jones gets stuffed but that seems like a you know Jordan Love kind of passes that off and it's a panic play and then it gets to second and nine and it's a touchdown to Romeo Dubs in the end zone uh, of course because it's a touchdown uh, over certain and uh, they sort of catch it at the same time and it goes to the offense and that thing now Stenator Steratour comes on Stegosaurus comes on and says that it should have been a turnover in fact because Dubs never got two feet down so we look back at that pass uh, or that ref's call against Myers and we go oh god what was me uh, but it turned this brings the score to 16-10 and the Packers get away with one here defense come out first and 10 Williams run for two stuffed second and eight Troutman uh, goes for five the tight end but he stopped uh, right then and there third and three Williams run stuffs uh, gets run stuffed by Rasha and Gary. It's the end of the third quarter. They come out and punt, and Enik Barry has really heavy pressure on that punt. Again, honourable mention for him. So now, let's go back to our offence. Uh, we're nearly there, folks, at the end of the game. First and ten, Dylan goes for five. Second and five, massive pass play to Musgrave uh, for a first down. 
He gets drilled in the head and this is where he goes off and he goes into concussion protocol. So now your RB1's on a pitch count, your top wide receiver, you're starting to try run him downfield again, but he's still nursing an injury and your tight end number one uh, goes off the field with a concussion. First and 10, Dylan for four. Second and six, Emmanuel and Wilson for four. Third and two, Dylan gets stuffed up the middle and he only gets one yard. Uh, and then fourth and one, Sims, the tight end, comes in. Sims, people. And he gets the completion. But, I mean, it's very close. It looks like he's not going to get it for a while. Then first and 10, it's a massive run by Dylan for 14 yards. A first and 10, then Dylan is stuffed. But this is the type of stuff we're talking about. You know, we run for 14 yards, we keep them honest, and then all of a sudden he gets stuffed. So second and 12, Love is rushed out of the pocket and he has to run on second and long. He gets 10 yards, by the way. But guess who causes him to rush uh, for his life? Rashid Walker gets turned around. Again, a guy who's in for relief. Third and two, Deguara moves and we get a false start, which is a shame, right? Because A, Deguara is experienced. Um, he's the most experienced tight end that we have out there. Bear in mind that Sims got a completion for on a fourth and one before that. But Dylan had ran in for the touchdown at this point. Um, so can you imagine the momentum? But it's look, it's not a big deal. It goes to third and long. Uh, there's a pass to Jones for four yards and balls to steal Matt LaFleur, to be fair. Uh, goes to the pass and it's fourth and two. It's a sidearm. It goes to Dobbs. He bobbles it up in the air and you're like, oh, I don't believe this. Uh, you know, because Dylan gets in and now it's pulled back because of Deguara who should know better. And it's bobbled up in the air and then Reed catches it. So it becomes 16, 17 uh, to the Packers. And you're like, there's 8.31 left in the fourth quarter. And you're like, right, sidearm, it's sloppy, it's messy, but the offense have really come alive we had zero points coming into the half and now we've got 17. Happy days. Defense come out. First and 10, it's a pass to Judy for six yards on guess who? Carrington Valentine. Um, it's a pitch to McLaughlin for three. It's third and one and Williams gets the first down with a pitch, just about. First and 10, Williams underneath. McDuffie, great tackle. He gets five yards, but he really drills him. Um, then it's second and five. Judy gets a big gain. Um, and guess who gives it up, right? And you might go, Valentine, Steve? No, it's Keyshawn Nixon. Missed tackle. Should have got that tackle and put him down. Doesn't. Valentine, in fairness, makes that tackle. First and 10. P. Ryan gets four. Then William drops the low pass. Then Preston Smith comes in with the sack. It's a 52-yarder for a field goal. And they make it. So, at the very end of this game, uh, the Broncos go up after a 52-yard field goal, which is, as you know, not a gimme. So, it's 19-17. Packers are behind by two. And to say that we didn't score at all in the first half, it's miraculous that we've put up 17 again. And if you were to say, look, if the Packers could scheme up something in the first half to match their second half, they could be scoring well over 30 points in these games, but they're not. Anyway, the offense comes out, first and 10, Dylan stuffed. Second and nine, Dylan, a massive run for 30 yards. I mean, he runs up and you can see the field goal marker that we need to get to just sitting there. And he's so close. First and 10, Dylan is stuffed. So like, it's an Oreo. You know, you've got stuffed. It's a it's a reverse stuffed Oreo in the sense that he gets stuffed, he does great, then he gets stuffed again. Second and 10, uh, Love runs, but there's a hold by Jenkins. So it brings the play back to second and 20, which is an absolutely killer play because A, it's Elton Jenkins. B, we would have got yardage with a Love run. It would have made it a third and manageable. And here's a pro bowler who's coming in that we were waiting to come back. And again, it's another killer penalty at an absolutely crucial time. Second and 20, it's an incomplete pass. Watson, 
hobbles and then he collapses on the sideline. So there's our wide receiver number one. We've asked him to do too much. He goes down the field. He gets rolled up on. Um, and that's it. And then this is where the game ends. Third and 20. Interception. It's underthrown to Torre. He doesn't see the underneath safety. Um, but look, there's... I think, it, look, it's just a bad decision. Because AJ Dillon was open. And it should have, would have, could have. And, you know, you sort of go, look, take the check down. Uh, throw it into the dirt. Don't take that long pass. The only thing is, is that he thought it was going to be contested between, you know, Samori Torre and the defender, but it turns out that the other safety comes over and makes a play in the ball. In hindsight, AJ Dillon is wide open, uh, but it isn't to be. But let's remind ourselves as well, this stuff happened under Aaron Rodgers and happens under other teams as well. It's very easy for us to sit there and look at it. I'm not defending the team, by the way, um, but I'm just saying it's not as bad as we think it is. Um, we were one sort of completion away to AJ Dillon. Maybe he makes the run down. We get the field goal. We walk off. We get the win and we go, Jesus, that was dicey. Um, but then it's not all alarm bells and we're trying to sack everybody. Now, Kurt Benkert came out after and said that Torre should have really come back and tried to compete for the ball. Uh, Kurt Benkert knows more than I do. And he actually played on the mountain the floor. But when I look at this, look, I think Torre's turning around. He's actually in the middle of falling. And he thinks he's going to fall and maybe complete the ball he's trying to stop himself because the ball is underthrown and I think no one really knew that the um the underneath safety was there offering help now Jordan Love came out and elaborated on that and said that when they get that type of look in that defense that that play is on and he didn't expect and he was sort of shocked still that that safety made the the play um look it is what it is right AJ Dillon was wide open I don't particularly agree that Torre couldn't come out and do stuff it gets into garbage time for the defense and, you know, they take a delay a game and all that kind of stuff. Now, what does that tell us? To me, it tells us that we're not going to get any better because we're still injured. And we're even worse off, in my opinion, because we don't know what's happening with Watson. Um, our, our tight end number one is now out with a concussion, more than likely. And we've got a fairly heavy load of games coming our way. But one of the comparisons that I would say is that the 49ers have been unstoppable up to this point, really. And they went, they got a knock to Christian McCaffrey, their star running back, and Debo went out as well. And with that, they lost. So the real asset test for me is, and I'm putting myself really out there now, is that the Niners come up against the Vikings, who blitz more than anybody else, but they're seen as a pretty poor team. So the real acid test for a team being in the position that the Packers are-ish are the 49ers. Um, and I wouldn't even say it's comparable because Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant, came in and he'd won 10 games on the trot. In fact, he has the highest quarterback rating in NFL history over a, for a quarterback who started uh, 10 games. So this guy was breaking records. Love was seen as more of a project and let's see what we have here. Brock Purdy won the starting job, so much so that Trey Lance got traded away. So this is, here's a guy, here's a team that lost to the Browns. And I know the Browns have a fairly stout defense. Let's all take a look and I'll have egg on my face as such, but let's have a look and see, do the Niners bounce back? And if they do, what that tells me is, is that they're not as injured as the Packers. They do have a good squad and a lot of integrity in their squad. And that Shanahan's able to pull one out here um, against the Vikings with this team because their playmakers are not out there on the field with them. Now, some are, right? 
Um, so that's what that would tell me is that Shanahan is a better coach than Matt LaFleur because he's able to pull out the win no matter the circumstances because this was a really bad game for Matt LaFleur and the Packers solely because they had a bye week but I still think that injuries and the lack of special team production are really hurting this squad when that's what they really need to go well in this game now we're going over to Green Bay and I'm excited to go and it's going to be great to be over in Lambeau Field but I think that we, we're going to lean more than ever on Matt LaFleur's scheming. And he's really up against it. But at the same time, I don't think, just by the sheer fact that the Packers scored 17 points in the second half, shows that they must have the tools to do it, right? So we just have to be able to scheme up plays, bearing in mind the team that we have and the team that we don't have, and whatever the hell that was in the first half, it wasn't good enough. And we need to be able to get that flow and get that production going. And it seems like, uh, and this is probably where we can't rely on it, is that it depends on Jordan Love making the right read and hitting some deep balls. And he has some shocker passes as well, by the way, which I pointed out. But it seems like LaFleur has to factor in that he's got no choice but to trust Jordan Love and this is what Mike Holmgren and I'm not comparing them but this is what Mike Holmgren used to say about Brett Favre there was so many times he said take him off the field take him off he'd throw an interception in the worst time and he'd say take him off the field he has to know when he's doing wrong and then he'd say no hold on a minute hold on a minute and he'd put him back out again and if you look at any of the documentaries or you read any of the stuff from back then Holmgren comes out and says that the way he saw it was is that he had to go all out and let Brett Favre do his thing to a degree. And he knew that if Brett Favre was going down, he was going down with him. And he had no choice but to go all in. And I think that's just what LaFleur has to do. You know, you've got rookies. Uh, there's evidence there that they're not running the right routes and all that kind of stuff. But you just have to go with what you have and just hope for the best. It's as simple as that. Will it get better? Well, we're still we're still absolutely screwballed with injuries, so no, I don't think so. But this is where Matt LaFleur has to earn his stripes here. But look, the next time you hear from us, there's going to be loads of video content. We'll be going over to Lambeau. Uh, we're going over on Thursday. We're still going to be cheering our heart out. And Aaron Nagler, and this is what I'll end with, comes up with a fantastic point. And it's a Bart Starr quote. Is that anybody can cheer for a team that's doing well, but it's a team that's struggling. That's the team that you need to get behind. And I'm not talking about being a homer because I've got a lot of criticism for this team. However, I do think we need to recognise the team for the predicament that it's in. And then also, there's still a lot of uh, season ahead of us. For some people, that sounds like it's the worst thing ever. But for me, I'm going to try to remain positive because I'm going to be in Lambeau Field screaming my ass off uh, come Sunday. So anyway, that's all from me. And I'll be doing a different type of Quick Snaps pregame show uh, with the tour goers and also doing a post-game review as well. Will it come straight after the game? Um, probably not. It will come the next day, hopefully. Uh, but maybe it'll be when I come back and I'm sure you'll forgive me for that. But anyway, I've been at Steady the NFL. We've been at UK Packers. Follow our journey to Lambeau Field coming up and I'll speak to you then.